0: We are now moving on to NPL corner, and the NPL one was back over the weekend. Round two, some of the results. If you, to, if you want to see goals, don't go to Cromer Park on a Friday night, because that's two nil-all draws to start the year for Manly United. They drew nil-nil with Western Sydney Wanderers. Mount Druitt had a two-all draw with Blacktown City. City United had a one-nil win over North Shore Mariners, a last-minute winner as well. It was quite thrilling. Rockdale had a one 0 win over Marconi, and Sydney Olympic and Sydney FC. It's been well documented over the last couple of days. Abandoned just after half-time due to a waterlogged synthetic field at Lambert Park.
1: That was very interesting. Pretty sensational pitches there. I know. At Landon Park, I, you wouldn't think a synthetic. Not all of them are the FIFA quality, like a yeah, McLean. You know, but
0: the oh. <laughs> the last, last fixture we're going to touch on is the local side Wolves having a huge four-one win over Apia. Bull Juwak and Lachlan Scott with doubles. Currently don't have too many troubles with goals despite the departure of Thomas James still. Yeah, great stuff
2: for the <laughs> Wolves and fantastic goals as well. Oh, all, how all, cool all all of them, but I do want to touch on Bull Juwak. Not only is he, is he a class prospect, he's a, he's a class player. Mm. He's, he's really good. For, for a 19-year-old, he's just fantastic and he made it. Impacts off the bench last season, including scoring in the, the winner NPL in the NPL yeah. championship game, and he's really stepped up to fill the boots somewhat of Tom, with Thomas James leaving the leaving for Perth Glory. And uh, I just want to say that's a it's a massive credit to him, but it's also a massive credit to Luke Walshy for giving uh, him the confidence to step up and play in this first grade side that was successful last year. He wasn't afraid to give this uh, youngster a go. And I was just having a look. It's actually, this he's actually, obviously he's from South Sudan, but he was from Canberra. Mm. And this is actually comes from a, the, a development pathway with and United, which was set up about four or five years ago, which I vaguely remember I was probably a bit sceptical mm. about at the time. I'm not sure about the, any other players that are coming through the walls through that pathway, but in this well, particular case... It's uh, bearing fruit, so fair play to uh Bourgeois and the the Woolman Wolves on this front.
0: And credit to the Wolves. Obviously, there was a big scheduling fiasco surrounding this game. Obviously, mm-hmm. seven o'clock, they pushed it back to seven thirty kickoff at Lightcart. Obviously players had work. I think bleep players. Paul Simmons were... probably couldn't have got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bleep players actually took a some players took a day off or half a day off. It was finished early to get up there. But uh they sent the Wolves sent a message to the league like even if it's on your terms, we'll still beat you. 4-1 against Arpia is huge. It's, it's a like Arpia are uh,
2: arguably
1: the biggest club in the in the. And the scary league. thing about it is that, looking at the highlights, it literally could have been more. It could have. 4-1 is modest. So, look, yeah. and
2: Simmons,
0: was I it want to, to mention, was it, was, a, yeah. it, was, uh, it was one of the Simmons, but it might have been Josh. It might have been Josh Simmons. It was a, big it was a superb... Was a it yeah. wasn't just a strike. He, he took it from the centre-back, beat a couple of players. Defending could have been a little bit better, but he... he the brilliance he had to get through, we through those players and finish it off. Duros looks pretty good. Yes, going.
1: yeah, looks solid. I think that Wilkshire stated that he was uh, pretty frustrated. Obviously, the Wolves conceded just before half time by that I strike. Think, he yeah, was very they, frustrated. They, they could have turned on its head. That, that was that was really the the only ten minutes or so that they were poor in the game, mm. and, and mm-hmm. just before half time, that's disappointing. But for them to come out in the second half at Arpia to. Get a four-one victory is is commendable, and obviously there's still a couple of injuries in that Wolves lineup. Uh, Brendan Griffin and Nick Georgevic uh, returned to training this week. Um, probably not going to be in for the next fixture against Marconi. But change uh, much, But look, yeah, it's yeah, Harrison Torino obviously. got his
0: debut, his starting debut as well. So good on him there as well. And he played quite well. Um, watching, I the think it's a
2: massively commendable that she's not afraid to play no. youngsters. Yeah. He's not afraid to play IPL players. He's he's shown that he's not afraid to play youngsters, and the sides, the sides, yeah. incredible.
0: Well, like yeah, it really out is. Of, it's out, out of it's out the of, best wall side out of, I've out seen. Out the, yeah, out of the squad yeah. that played on the weekend, five former IPL players from the last couple of years got on the field. Mm. And that's like, I think we made made probably two subs or something like that. So that's five out of possible 13 players on the field who have played IPL in the last couple of years. So, yeah, there you go. But um, that's definitely the most eye-catching result in the New South Wales MPL one so far since the season restart, holding the Wolves in very good stead. They do take on Marconi this weekend. uh, The Butler will just go through the round three fixtures. We've got RPL and Western Sydney Wanderers, 7pm on a Friday at Lehmann Park again. Arpia love their Friday night games. I think they've got i have got a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. Blacktown City take on well, Sydney Olympics, 7.30 p.m. Friday at Lily Holmes. Mount mm-hmm. Drew will take on Rockdale, 7 p.m. Saturday at Poppendetta Park. The Wolves do take on Marconi, 2.30 Sunday at Albert Butler Park. Sydney United will take on Manly United, 3 p.m. Sunday at Adenza Park. And to round out their round, we've got Sydney FC against North Shore Mariners, 6.30 Sunday at Illenden Sports Centre. Moving on to NPL4 now and South Coast Flame, Got up 2-0 over Western New South Wales Mariners, their second win for the Flame in a row in Bathurst, nonetheless, in the worst possible conditions. Can we see the Flame make finals this year in NPL 4? Oh, well, of course we could. They're, uh, after finishing,
2: what was it, third last year, and uh, they're in the top four at the moment, obviously very early days. That, that's a, a good win. It's a clean sheet. Moves them into that top five. And they're still to ship a goal this season, which is pretty commendable three, three rounds in. And they're two points off the top. They've got Hurstville, Parramatta, and Prospect in the next three weeks. All sides that are below them. Um, Jordan and I watched them a few weeks ago against Granville, which they weren't overly impressive. But the f- the likes of with Matt Mazewski coming back into that side is a huge inclusion. And uh, I think it was key for Sandy Locock to also get uh, his first goal. Uh, of the league season, he's a he's a very good striker. He should be one of the best strikers in that competition. And if he can get on a run, I think there's a, there's a chance that Flame could do do really well in the competition. And it's just a shame that. And I'll probably say at
0: any time I'm talking about the NPL four, it's probably just a shame there's no pro rel issue. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what would have happened if there was pro, promotion relegation? They do take on Hurstville FC on Saturday night. At Ellendon Sports Centre, and they are playing a couple of youngsters promoted from their uh, under 20s as well, which is good to see as well. Stingrays unfortunately suffered a 3 0 loss against Football New South Wales Institute last weekend. It was a dominant performance by the Institute, but uh, the, the Stingrays won't be happy with a result like that.
2: It's a brutal defeat. There's uh, no two ways about it. I was speaking with Bruce Tilton's. And- he admitted that they just went up to the required the required standard to to get the result. Um, and the only thing that he did point out in his in an interview with uh, Josh Barlin, and I expanded it, expanded on it on a conversation with him later on was that they haven't been able to train like pretty much all the other clubs in this competition in that competition have been able to train. Uh, due to not having access to a synthetic field, which uh, I think is a massive issue that that needs to be talked about. Um, but, yeah, 3-0 against the side that they would have been expected to to defeat, I think would have been fair to say, is, uh, is a bit of a knock. One point, three games in. Three games? Four yeah. Games, three games yeah. in is uh, not fantastic, and it puts a bit of pressure on them if
0: they want to play finals football this year. I think it might be four games. I'm not too sure, but... Yeah, it doesn't get any easy for them this weekend as well. They come kind of against MacArthur Rams, who are always strong in the women's top division. Is it must-win for them this weekend?
2: I, I, I don't think... I don't, I don't really... I haven't asked him directly what see I mm. imagine he's aiming for playing in the finals, but uh, if they are to get a result, even if it's a draw against MacArthur, who, who haven't been fantastic in that competition yet either, even if they were to get a result, I think that... Uh, could hopefully for them give them a bit of momentum to get things going because I think the they I'm not 100% sure, but I think they might play koalas after that, which I think could be another
0: potentially winnable game. But yeah, a result. And I think they're, it's they're uh, Bankstown City Lions who okay. are, I think, at the bottom of the league at the moment. So yep. definitely a winnable game and it's meant to be at home at JJ Kelly as well. But touching on your synthetic pitch point as well, now I'll throw out the question to all three of us. If you had the option to choose three fields in the Eelawara to put a synthetic field on today, where would you put it and why? I'll start with you, George. Well,
1: George. 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 Hey, that was my
2: uh, email. Boom! you. That was my first ever email. George with <laughs> three cents. Uh, uh, look, <laughs> do you want to know my first email? We can get this
0: in as well. Yeah, go on. So what is it? DJ.dil. What an what email. Oh, you? Like, why didn't you keep it? I will never know. <laughs> D-I-L-L. D- D- no way. <laughs> DJ yeah. Snake. Oh. oh, my word. Anyway. Yeah, you're, you your, your three pitches, your first one, uh, where would you stick a synthetic building in the water if you could today?
1: Look, I'd, the first one, I'd, I'd stick one at Ocean Park at Wanoona. I think that it's, all, it's pretty well accounted that the ground at Wanoona, despite the fact that the ground staff for Wanoona Football Club do their best to... Keep it up to a relative standard. It's probably one of the more bumpier pitches. The foundation's in, a bit hard in, in Beach. the yeah. league, and I actually think Ocean Park's a lovely place to watch football. To be honest, and I think it would be really good to see facilities upgraded there. Um, it's probably uh well, it is what well, is close to Sydney in comparison to other IPL clubs or other Illawarra clubs. Uh, so that would be my first one. Second one moving further south and we were sort of talking about this off uh, camera Dylan I would definitely have one at Geringon at Apple Noble Oval uh, I think that it could potentially obviously this is an Illawarra podcast but the Shoalhaven competition down there is fairly strong and it could play host to grand final days etc um, The big games at Jeringong and I, I think that it would be a good market to tap into the last one I had was uh I would put one in DAPTO, uh, obviously a large community. Um, at, Lake, at Lakelands? At Lakelands mm-hmm. Oval, yeah, a large community. And that ground is another ground that probably needs a, a, a fairly substantial upgrade if I was to pick one. Well, yeah, look, they actually got torn up by um some
0: moron on a bike the other day as well. So there's a the whole bike track, like bike tire marks all the way through the ground now. So I hate I, seeing I it. hate that. I hate it's it. like the most
2: winker behaviour. Mm. I just...
1: I don't know. Anyway, but stupid. I also think obviously it's a it's a large community, but it's also a bit of a halfway point. People travelling from Wollongong and also people travelling south to up the coast to play football. I think it's probably a bit of a centre hub. Dapto could be in terms of having a synthetic pitch. Look, I'd love about ten more synthetic pitches in the Illawarra. But oh, don't we all? But you uh, your three. Can I just? Oh. I would love to see Dapdo mm. um,
2: also go hand-in-hand with the senior side as well. That'd be mm. fantastic. One and, of the The dogs are out there. The three, I, I tweeted about this last week. I had lists of about 10. Um, but the three venues that I see as a priority would be Albion Park. These are all for very similar reasons. Albion Park, big junior base, big community that's still growing. As well um, it's a big growth area and it's also an outside fields I'm not sure if I think that most venues a field that gets this one synthetic field should have, it, have outside fields mm-hmm. um, so yeah Albion Park the terror reserve there Bowgay I think has that central field fenced-in field with outer grounds as well I think that's got uh, a lot of legs there in the uh, mid-northern suburbs, I guess you could probably call them, and also Shalaba at uh Bar. I think um, if you had a facility with so many fields there, that would look really I think Mayan underdeveloped, and it could be turned into a fantastic facility. And if you were to have a synthetic field there, I think that'd be really positive. There, my first three, but I also want to connect this to that Stingray's chat. I think that the, the next synthetic field should involve... A connection with the Stingrays because they need a a, um, a proper a proper ground that they can call their own. And uh, I have heard uh, rumours about club them linking up with particular clubs that, to try and pull in government funding for a synthetic field. Um, not sure of the validity of these rumours, but I'd I'd want to hope so because I think that mm. if if the Stingrays were able to get a access to a synthetic field to train on. Uh, three times a week and play on would be a massive boost for them. But just like what Jordan said, we don't need one synthetic field. We don't need three synthetic fields. We need, you know, 10 really Mm -hmm. um, so that we are able to not
0: have washout rounds Um, like we just did, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my first one, and I've actually gone with John Crean Park, my first one. It's still one of my favourite facilities in the Illawarra, and I believe if a pitch got put in there, it would have sort of an Adenza Park feel about it. So you know how Indenser Park's got like caved-in stands just mm. like that. Crayon
1: Park's got that similar um, feel, I reckon, as Literally well. Literally, and figuratively, there's a few dodgy seats at Adensa Park, caved-in. Well, there you go. But,
0: <laughs> yeah, I reckon, I reckon it would have a similar feel about it. I reckon it would be a top, top, top-notch top facility for grand finals it's as cool. well. The next one, I've actually gone with our Butler Memorial Park as well. It could transform the facility into another possible football hub and there's possibility of outside grounds as well. What are you looking at me for? Just <laughs> struggling with my yeah. name. <laughs> the only thing I know with Butler, yeah. while
2: well, I would love to see it develop. I'm not sure if, if the Wolves actually own it. So yeah. I not
0: know. Yeah, this is just hypothetical yeah, this question hypocrisy. as well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, again, it would be ideal for the Wolves obviously being the top men's club in the, in the region as well. Sorry to interrupt again. Go on. I will say the, the wolves have done a
2: fantastic they job. Are, yeah, they, they are, yeah, they are.
1: to the standard. It, it, is it because was, it's, uh, used to be pretty rubbish.
0: When
2: the, yeah. when I when they first were said, oh, we're going to be playing some games here. I'm like, hmm, fire out! Surely you're not going to be playing on this field mm-hmm. in the NPL? Yeah, but it's, it's transformed. It's but
0: yeah,
2: it's probably, good. you know, bordering on JJ Kelly Park. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yeah. that's what we've got. My last one, and I've gone for a kind of like a smoky this one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so oh. On. oh, Just a bit out there. I've gone with Tawlsley. uh, I'm going with Tarawana Oval. I reckon it'd be a superb location for a synthetic field nestled under the mountains on a Saturday afternoon. I reckon it'd be a good venue. (laughs) It's not (laughs) synthetic field; isn't for the spectators I'm just, I'm just saying. I reckon it'll be a nice. It make it turn it into a nicer area than what it is. Next to the Billy Galancy. Yeah, that's right. The uh, what is it called? The The Ross Hamilton Stand. Billy Gaines, is the is little the bar, corner, the little corner. Area. Yeah, that little bar. Yeah, that's a nice little bar actually. But that's MPL corner. We've got the Australian. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the Australian football. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks, man. We've got the Australian football chat now, and this first one is a bit, uh, bit out there. There's talks of Phil Neville becoming in the running for the Matilda's job. It's, it's a bit far fetched. Do you reckon it's going to happen, Jordan?
1: Well, you can never rule out anything in Australian football. I was going to say football, but let's say Australian. Let's leave it at Australian football. He's set to leave his role in the in the English national. Uh, I believe he's is he the women's? Coach? He's gone. He's gone now. Yeah. yeah. So he's. But he, I was. I thought it was interesting. I, I I didn't really have a take on it, and I did some research. I was looking at uh, Samantha Lewis on Twitter. She's a, a journalist for the Guardian, and as a obvious a. a, a constant guest appearance maker on the SBS The World Game uh, weekly show. Uh, she pointed out that Phil Neville once said that he would take the England women's job as a stepping stone for the men's national team. I think if you... Ref- to men's football. Men's club football, Sorry, football, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Still yeah, the same yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I think that in terms of this is probably the most important appointment in history of the Matildas... Oh,
0: it probably it definitely is. Ever. I
1: said. don't... Think that Phil Neville is probably the man to or person to take this job. I think that it could, it probably should go to someone else. They've obviously there's been reports that they've approached Joe Montemira, obviously the Arsenal women's team coach and an Australian citizen, but he has turned down a couple of offers. They've also asked uh, former USA World Cup women's winning coach Jill Ellis, uh, but the main issue there is that there is reports that her uh, salary, I guess, would be too high for FFA to afford. Look, I I don't, I, I can see it happening. I probably would prefer another candidate. But look, it's there's only so many people probably in the position to take a women's national team job or any national team job for that matter. I, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. I, I don't think it will happen, but who knows?
0: It, whoever they choose, it has to be spot on this point because we got the three most important years in australian women's football history almost you can almost start in australian football history as well because we there's three massive events for this side and if we get it right something it, it could transform football in this country but um yeah it's gonna be interesting interesting who they choose pretty much but uh what are you looking at me for?
2: You gotta ask me my opinion. You or want an, you opinion? Don't an opinion? You want an opinion?
0: <laughs> I've got a stronger opinion about
2: won't it. Go on, take it. On. I think that it'll be take an absolutely, absolutely completely backward step if they appoint Phil Neville. The, the comments that he's made throughout his time as a women's uh, national team, England national team coach, is pretty pathetic. I wouldn't understand if he did want to transition into men's football. I don't know why he would take another women's football mm-hmm. job for one, uh, only because he'd go be coaching the host country is the only thing I can think about, but it's completely backwards sir Um, I think it should be an Australian. I'm of that opinion that it should be an Australian. Two, I, ideally, I do believe it should be a woman, but there are examples of uh, coaches that, like Joe Montemara that you, you mentioned that are dedicated to the women's game. Which And I think that's point three, that most importantly, it should be someone... With a dedication to WO, really, mm. and Phil Neville just isn't isn't that. And mm. England, yeah, it's interesting how you mentioned how this is such an important period for Australian women's football and Australian football. England's team was also that he coached was also mm. their golden generation, mm. and he didn't really get the best out of them. They did do well in the World Cup, but they didn't set the world on fire. They they didn't really look like while they came, I got to the semis, they weren't that convincing. And I don't think it'd be a terrible appointment, really. And I don't know, I don't know if even if you could pick up a, uh, I don't even know
0: if Harry Kuehl's coaching Oldham, I don't know where Phil Neville's going to really end up. Mm. And, and just saying, the Palms voted against us in the uh, World Cup hosting rights. So, stuff, yeah. <laughs> Next one. We've got. Uh, Talk about boutique stadiums and a stadium debate in from the NRL again as well. It's been ser- recent talks surrounding boutique rugby league stadiums with obviously the ANZ stadium redevelopment falling through. Is it boutique? Oh, they're trying <laughs> I'm to call it boutique. Boutique, my bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's boutique. You're, you're, I'll you're tell a, you yeah. what it is. It's not boutique. <laughs> Sorry, a boutique. Bit botox. Bit of botox. Bit of botox. <laughs> But, yeah, obviously the ANZ stadium redevelopment talks fell through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to let it slide John's once. But said it about three times, and I was like, nah. We can uh, talk a uh,
0: bit more about your Botic stadium <laughs> <laughs> But, look, with this stadium talk, why is this talk being dominated by the NRL? Like, where can we stick these new NRL grounds and stuff like that? You know, where's our voice,
1: Jordan? I mean, it's such it's a complex issue and I think it stems from the fact that obviously to build boutique stadiums you need <laughs> you know I didn't boutique. you need funding from in particular state governments and they're just in state government and federal government at the moment there is not a lot of football people and they're very mm. if they are any skewed by any sport it is either NRL or AFL or rugby union or cricket as well to an extent but we're not talking about that's not in, in this example. But, look, you look at the – there's been upgrades put in place, i.e. the upgrade of Campbelldown Stadium for the new A-League side, the MacArthur Rams, but that would also be used by other NRL – MacArthur Bulls. Team. MacArthur yeah. Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> the ra- the Rams the Rams from Enthiol 3 to – They're making the story the rise. Wow. Uh, but, that no, that stadium would be used for, by NRL clubs. I, I'm thinking West Tigers in particular off the top of my head. So it's not solely owned by the A-League club. So I, I, I just don't see how a boutique stadium can happen at the moment. I wish it were more simple than that. But if you look at the, obviously, the a, a Sydney football stadium, the Allianz Stadium knockdown, that'll be spectacular. But again, it's not a boutique stadium. And again, it's would be used by the Sydney Roosters, the New South Wales Waratahs as well. So it's shared. I just don't think... I don't think there's any people. I don't think people see there's an investment in football boutique stadiums at the moment, which no. maybe is fair enough. But, but well, why just, are,
0: why are all these other codes getting all this government funding and we're getting nothing? Is it lack of lobbying from our leaders, for
1: example, is a lack of drive? I don't think it's it's not from a lack of trying from uh, obviously clubs and and even grassroots roots clubs as well to get funding for not even just boutique stadiums. Like you could have grassroots clubs just getting funding for. For new equipment, etc., but I, I do think it stems back from the argument and the point that I made earlier that there doesn't seem to be a lot of football people in in government at the yeah. moment. So I don't. I think we're pushing, you know, what up a hill, so to speak, at the moment.
0: What are we pushing up a hill? A up, <laughs> <we're pushing>
1: up <laughs> a hill. Deal your tap on it.
0: It's a tricky
2: situation because there's no doubt that the AFL and the NRL have a massive
0: influence over politics. You look at a number of uh, um. You so look at Skemo; he's a he's well publicised diehard. But a lot kind of, of boards, sports.
2: a lot of boards in the AFL in particular. I'm not as sure about it in the NRL. Have ex-politicians on their boards, mm. so they have direct connections to it, and definitely in Victoria. The, the AFL is FIFA for that sport, and. Like it or not, it is massive down there. So in, in Victoria, it's um it's a miracle that we've got been able to get Amy Park as it is, mm-hmm. which is the closest is a boutique stadium, even though
1: uh, uh, sure, the Rebels yeah. and Storm also play mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, well, Amy Park City and. Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory should be playing there every week, like one week after the other, if it was possible, mm-hmm. because I think that Etihad Stadium or whatever, Marble Stadium. But it's not is made for football. I just horrible. don't think there's
2: no yeah. – like, this is – we all know this. Simon Hill's been banging these drums ever since he rocked up here. Um, that sounds
0: a bit <laughs> – No, through. it sounds well, fine, going. No. Um,
2: We would rather a full, full win stadium or a full – like Oval or a full Central Coast Mariners um, Central Coast Stadium, then the same amount of people in a fifty thousand seat stadium. Exactly. Now, and everyone. This is this this discussion's got happened a billion times. That the Alliance didn't need, didn't really need an upgrade. People, are <laughs> a bit, it was, wasn't, it was not that bad, and it was rarely full. Mm. It was very rarely full. Mm. And interestingly enough, the only time it was full was for Sydney Derby and it's games. And it's been redeveloped and still going to be the same amount of seats. But I don't think there is a massive issue if if there's a sellout for Derby games. Like, say say there's... It's a good thing that in many ways that if if it's 25,000 seat it's a sold out, and there's 25,000 people that wanted to go, can't go, mm. in the sense that that drives... I think that adds something.
1: Yeah, uh, it adds a want to like get those early games and... before Paramount was redeveloped.
2: Yeah, those Western Sydney derbies were raucous; they were mm. brilliant. Um, yeah. But the reason why is because we, football doesn't have political influence, and um, ultimately doesn't have money. We have, yeah. we have, we have. Uh, That's the point. We have thing. club club owners that don't want to invest in their. In, them, in themselves. I think that if Sydney FC, this is probably the great criticism of Sydney FC, if they were to be the biggest club in Australia, I think they should be really pushing for their own stadium. Mm. Mm. I think, um, like, their games at Cobra are probably their best games, mm. I think, in terms of an atmosphere. you go to more than me, but I've been at games at Allianz, I've been at games at, um, at Cobra as well, and... Uh, I think it's a great atmosphere there mm. and I think that if they were for France for
1: money I don't think it would be impossible to get a ground like
0: well this season Cobra.
1: this season at uh the well, earlier in the season before lockdown there was the Sydney FC versus Melbourne City game that was at Cobra and there was about I say a bit short of 20,000 but that's all that is full for Cobra. Mm. and the atmosphere rivaled that or if not better 90% of the atmospheres I've seen at Allianz Stadium over the years the only time Allianz Stadium is good was derbies, grand finals, semi-finals, etc. Mm. I just, I just prefer the feel of a boutique Sydney FC stadium, and in a sense, it probably doesn't suit the Sydney FC like Bling FC title where they probably need the best, bigger, biggest, and best of everything in terms of stadiums and players and whatnot. But I don't think that any side in the A League,
2: I think have... having an Amy Park would, mm.
1: would well. It Yeah, if it was exactly... Like, I'm
2: not saying buy Cobra and leave it as it is. Yeah. I'm saying buy Cobra and develop it into a... Boutique. boutique. I think a a U-shaped stadium Mm. with a hill... Because I think... I love hills. I love a hill too. Obviously, we're all boys, so we love hills. But (laughs) a U-shaped stadium would be... Would add to that that image. Mm. And I think having your own stadium would add to that image. And um, at the moment, I I think City FC are the... uh, need to be pushing for that.
1: Mm. I think they're the best chance to do it. Mm, I don't know definitely. whether they will. But but like for... Victory are obviously the other
2: rival, the other biggest club. Yeah, you look at them. But alone. they don't need, like they do have but, access to that.
0: I, 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 you could almost throw in Melbourne City as well. They've got the backing of one of the biggest football
1: groups in the world. Mm. You know? Like, they, hmm. they, they're... I don't think they would be as invested in Australian football. They're more invested in the club. So why
2: come in? But, here? but to be fair, their their academy down there is sensational.
1: something. Yeah, Melbourne's
0: fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, touching on Sydney FC as well, what's gone wrong with them since the uh, the restart? Just five points since the restart. The bottom half of the league points earned since the restart. Diehard Sydney fans, are to Jordan, what's gone wrong?
1: Look, I I. Don't think we're going to be throwing the uh, throwing the book at Steve Corrigan just yet. I, oh God, no! I, I, oh, throwing the book at anyway. Bimby out. Bimby out. Yeah. I a chance. I I, don't know. I, I just, Bimby. I just think that obviously every team is would start a little bit slower after the 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 you know the the resumption of the season. They got that first win against Wellington Phoenix, and to be honest, that could have gone either way that game. I think the Newcastle Jets game threw them off a little bit. I think they took the lead in that one, and but they they didn't look too bad the other night against Brisbane, though. They weren't that bad. Yeah, well, the game against Brisbane, they their lineup included a few youth, youthful faces. Obviously, Patrick Flotman, Joel King, who's an established player, Van der Sarg, Vanovic. How good
0: was Vanovic though in his forty-five minute cameo? For that 45 minutes, I'd... I... think he got picked man of the match and he played 45 minutes.
1: Did he? Or did you yeah. give him man of the match? No, dead sir. That was
0: on Sydney's Insta.
1: Yeah, look. <laughs> All right. look. No, we'll... I, I, no, the ball. I swear. Look at it. No. <laughs> I think Ivanovic is a, is a anyone top who, player. Anyone who says I'm a liar is a thot. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying, Dylan and I had this uh, discussion the other day. I, I, I don't think Luke Ivanovic starts for Sydney FC. I don't think he's better than Ninkovic or... Lafondra or Barbarussis or Alex Bamyhan. So I think he's an impact player and if he can get himself fit, he's an impact player. There you go. There I wasn't doubting that he was I wasn't doubting All right. that he wasn't I mean, better than the match. It was uh, good. He probably was better than the match to be fair. He's not better than Bahaja. No,
2: Bahasa, that's not right. No.
1: Yeah, well, so it's either he stays with Sydney and continues we've gone on an Ivanovic tangenting, but we 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 he stays with Sydney Youth talent is a he's a youthful talent and he plays thirty minutes every week. Or he goes to another club and plays 90. He's only 20. Yeah, yeah. not Ingevich, even, I don't think. Ninkovic is 120, so, you know, <laughs>
0: it's, I think, chill. Like, he is playing. Mm. That's exactly right. He gets injured. He, yeah, gets injured he hasn't too, played so. much, though. The, the two, only two times he's started in the A-League, he scored goals in both those games, so it's a good return for him. Well done to him. Do you reckon it's just a premiership hangover for Sydney?
1: I don't, I don't, I'm not of the impression that Sydney is are struggling. Obviously, a couple of uh, disappointing results, but I think that if they get a result against Western United uh, on, I believe it's Saturday night, then no one will be talking about it and it'll be Sydney FC, uh, oh, yeah, the, the top side in back, the league. Yeah. If they beat Western United 4-0, then no one will no give, a, shit, give a stuff no. about the last four weeks and they've only got to win one game and they're in the grand final. So I'd, I'm not of the impression that they're... Under, under any sorts of uh, pressure and I know Steve Corica will definitely uh, ha- with his experience under under Graham Arnold for many a years have uh, many a strategies to get the team switched on for the uh, final series and Sydney have been the, the benchmark of the A-League for the last five seasons so I don't think they'll be foreign to a, f- uh, a few um, strategies to get the best out of their players.
0: One more uh, young player who featured the other night as well. We touched on Luka Vanovic, but Dylan Wenzel Hall's also got on the scoreship for Brisbane. He's been in, in, in quite good form since the restart, but he hadn't played much at all throughout the rest of the season beforehand under Robbie Fowler. Seems like he's having, he's having a good impact. Is it time to give guys like this like, like this more of a chance, more minutes to make their claim in the league? You know, look what happened to Daniel Arzani. Obviously, he's a bit of... like He's a diamond in the rubble, but, you know there's a chance that a player like that could be... In the rough. In unreal. the rough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's boutique, rough, you know. But if you were wrong on both occasions. I know, that's what I'm saying. But is it time to give players like these more minutes to make their
1: claim on the league? Well, I think... <laughs> <Dylan's>, <laughs> I think Dylan winslow halls played a lot of minutes last season in a pretty abysmal Brisbane side. Um, for whatever reason, he didn't seem to get a run under Robbie Fowler. Um, but look, he's, he's definitely a, one of the hottest prospects in terms of young performers in the A-League at the moment. And yeah, I 100% agree he should be getting more minutes. But it comes down to, uh, to coaches' experience over youth. And I, I think that more coaches are not through whether or not they're forced to or they want to in the A-League is picking these the younger players and we're seeing a little bit of a changing at the, the guard, so to speak. A few of the veterans of the A-League era are retiring. I think Andrew Durante is like, like close to 40 now. Um, obviously, Bessar Barisha is moving on, moving on in age as well. So there'll be a time where players like Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Luka Vanevic will be starting every week and will be the new crop of experienced players. Good point. That's the Oswald chat for this week, and that's our podcast for this
0: week. Dylan, thanks for coming on again. Welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, George, again. I, I enjoy every Lovely work.
1: Every day we do this, Jared. It's
0: fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like us on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep listening to the podcast. We do appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week.